Alright, what up everybody? This is Josh Bogey of the Stock Talk Podcast. This is episode 13 of Stock Talk Podcast. Let me introduce my host, co-host with me, Nico. Criticos. Nico, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Did you Cra- miss me? Crazy day in the market. Oh yeah, we gonna get into that a little bit later, but um, did he miss me? Oh, I missed you so much. <laughs> okay, but uh, once again, another episode and another guest. Nico, can you please introduce our guest. Yes, we have a very special guest today. His name He's is so special. He's so special. Riley Fieldhouse. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Riley, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's a pretty good day. How's your week going? Oh, uh, fairly well. I, I wish uh, my positions were doing a little bit better. They're not doing terrible, but I wish they're doing better. Now, Riley Fieldhouse just passed the Series 65 law exam. Riley, can you please let us know more about the exam? Uh, it, it, I could go into jargon and lingo, but it basically allows me to act as a financial advisor and, and give financial advice for a fee. Congratulations. I'm going to give you a round of applause. Thanks. That's a pretty cool feat. So about the exam real quick, how many questions was that? Uh, 130, and there's, 100, uh, there's 10 more that they're thinking about adding, but those don't count, but still hitting answer. So 140 in total. Okay, so how was the overall process of you taking the test? Uh, well, I bought the book years ago, actually, and I started getting into it like this year, really. I read the textbook cover to cover, and then I kept putting off the test until I finally booked it, and then mm-hmm. I studied hard, and I was able to get learn enough to pass it. So how, how many years have you been studying for? Uh, I mean, I bought it when I was uh, in 2018, so you said the test was hard, right? Uh, fairly hard, yes. If you hadn't studied for it, I don't think you'd be able to pass it. Just even if you had extensive knowledge of the financial industry, it's just pretty technical to just go in there and pass. Mm-hmm. Okay, now to switch things up, how, how long have you been in the market for? Uh, well, I started in 2018 with crypto, and then I lost quite a bit of money on that, <laughs> and then that kind of scared me away from that and put me more into stocks. Did you start buying, like, what, so... Like at the peak? Uh, yeah, on margin too. Well, actually, Jesus. on margin? Yeah, on margin, on like 100 to 1 margin, yeah. Oh but my god. I made quite a bit of money before losing quite a bit of money. Oh my god. Yeah. We all make some mistakes sometimes. Yeah, we all make I mean, mistakes. I'm more proud of my mistakes than I am my successes. They teach me more, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you learn from that. Yeah. Okay, so besides cr- cryptocurrency, what's some other stocks that you've been getting into? Or are you just full on cri- crypto? Uh, I'm not full in crypto. I- I'm full in one stock in the market. Uh, and I believe that's like if you really want to speculate, make a ton of money. Like that's been the way to make a ton of it is go all in on one stock, buy share, buy shares, buy options, and then. Do mm-hmm. you think that's a good strategy? Uh, do I think it's a smart strategy? No, probably not. Do I think it's a good one? Yeah, probably. How? Uh, I mean, if you could, it's like you know, if you knew you're going to win every time, then of course it's, it's gonna it works. And it pays like, off. It pays off, but, but yes, when it fails, then no, it's not a good strategy. But in reality, though, yes. well, doesn't it make more sense to pick ten stocks? I maybe ten, maybe maybe less. I mean, like Warren Buffett recommends if he said if he was starting investing today, he'd pick one or two. Okay. And I think if you uh-huh. aren't picking like it, putting all your money into AMC would have not been a good idea until it paid off. But mm-hmm. putting into a company like Amazon or Apple, see, those are smarter moves, but still a little risky. I mean, by yeah. going all eggs in one basket is the only way to like truly make a ton of money off of one play. Okay, that's one way to look at it. Now, in the past, has there been any other big successes you've had with a certain stock? Um, trying to think here. Uh, uh, the My biz, biggest success probably would have been LQDT last year. It was liquidy.com. Uh, what they do hmm. is basically, uh, they're like a wholesale, like when uh, companies go out of business, they can put excess product online mm-hmm. um, and then sell it. And I, and I invested in that. like. Uh, I called it in like uh, 
May. Uh, also, like right when the pandemic right started. Right when the pandemic started, because I figured uh, I was getting, you know, uh, suckered on puts. Like I was losing a ton of money on that. So I figured I want a call that is going to make money in a bull market and a bear one. Mm -hmm. So I found that, which if businesses went on business, they would get more business. And if it just right. continued, they would grow with the economy. That's interesting. But I found them like at $4, and I think at their peak, they're like 25 26 Wow, that's a lot. Wow. Yeah, really? So it was a pretty good one, yeah. You say you invest in Dynavax, right? Now? Dynavax, yes. D Dynavax, yes. Okay. Uh, they are working on uh, a vaccine adjuvant, which is... I, which I wouldn't have known what it is until I really got into the company. Like one of the ways I invest in companies, the same way I invest in Dynamax, is I go look at their IP, their uh, intellectual property. Like I read through their patents mm -hmm. and what this adjuvant could be used for. And like they used to be an oncology company, mm -hmm. and now they make a Hep B vaccine. Mm -hmm. and okay. One of the parts of that vaccine was this adjuvant CPG 1018. Um, and the thing is, like, uh, Hep, I believe, uh, Hep B, the vaccine, I believe it works similar to a way in uh, the COVID vaccine. It's not an mRNA vaccine, but I believe uh, hepatitis is spread through an RNA virus. I, I could be totally wrong about that. But when I was researching, like, six months ago, I believe that's the conclusion I came to. But, like, they used to be an oncology company. So, like, they were, you know, trying to figure out how to cure cancer before they came into this. And there's, like, a whole different thing I can go into hours about it but basically it, the adjuvant helps boost your body's innate immune system to help okay. fight uh, viruses and other contaminants uh, but the reason I'm in big on them is because they are got, got many partnerships to make they got a partnership with Valvina and uh, they're French I believe uh, uh, they're doing trials in Scotland uh, for a European vaccine which is whole attenuated it's not the mRNA it's the way they usually make vaccines yeah where they kill, uh -huh. where they kill the virus it's a little harder to mass produce but they're they got partnerships with them they have partnerships with uh, someone in India a company in India and uh, the, their Prime Minister Modi just announced today that they want to vaccinate all people Mm. By the end of 2021, even though they say with the current rate of vaccinations not happening until 2022, mm -hmm. so they have uh, Dynavax has distribution deals that like are gonna like they're gonna start production in August hopefully, mm -hmm. and the numbers will come out before that. And they have uh, a deal with uh, a Chinese company, Clover Biopharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. to also make a Chinese vaccine. So they're pretty global. I mean, so do you think that one would be a better play on the vaccine versus something like the Pfizer, the Regeneron? I, I, I think now. I think now it's definitely a much better play. Uh, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I wasn't tempted to get, in, get into this uh, because of Novavax. I, mm -hmm. I saw Novavax at like $16 last year, thought about buying it. It, it peaked out like 200 like something ridiculous, ridiculous returns on uh, Novavax. I mean, mm -hmm. but they are a vaccine-focused company where Dynavax is almost a... It's 173 now. 173, yeah. They, their all-time high was pretty high. It was, almost, it was higher than that, too. But they took a hit when uh, Biden announced he wanted to end the patent restrictions. But uh, uh, that's not something that worries me Dynavax based on their uh, patents. It seems like they will have sufficient basis to protect them because it's not a COVID vaccine as an adjuvant. Right, right. They're like a broader business model. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, they're selling parts of the vaccine. They're not selling the vaccine. So right, right. Not yet. They have their Hep B vaccine, which I do think will uh, continue to grow over the next so, few years. So in other words, even if the COVID vaccine doesn't work out, they still have other things to fall back. Correct. Okay. And the COVID vaccine will help them expand their business on that front as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, besides Dynavax, is there any other, like, pr probably um, companies in, like, the same industry that you're looking at? In that same industry? Yeah, in that one or any one? other one. Have you heard of Regeneron? I have heard of Regeneron. I don't know anything about I was that. looking into buying that one. Why? That one looks pretty strong. Why? 
Well, for one, ARK Invest was putting a lot of money in there okay. in the last couple of months. And I think they, they were the main distributor of the vaccine in Germany. Were they? I think that was yeah. over there. But I, I think if you want to get into a medical company and you want to play the COVID vaccine, it's definitely too late to play America. But it is still early mm-hmm. to play the rest of the world. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's going to take years until we can fully eradicate it if we ever do it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not, but yeah. yeah. And uh, like even if, like the, it's also I'm in Dynamics, if there's another strain that comes out that is vaccine resistant, mm-hmm. you're going to need more adjuvant. The vaccine might change, but the adjuvant also might help boost the immune system because the way it works. Mm-hmm. So it might be more strain resistant. Right, that would be cool. Yeah. So for the air vaccine, is there only one single dose or... You have to go uh, back for two if you know. I, I'm not quite too sure because they're they're partnered with multiple companies and okay. most of their uh, trials are still in phase three. I, I would believe it's probably a two dose thing, just like most most of uh, the rest. Okay, what do you think about? Would you invest in Pfizer or Moderna? Um, Pfizer. I mean, that's like a blue chip, like uh, retirement dividend stock. Right, if right. you really want to, uh, Moderna. I'm not sure about their price, but. Uh, maybe it's definitely a long-term buy. I'm not sure if like right now, this second would be the best time to buy it. Just mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of run they've had. I've been following them. But Derna is now at 195. That mm-hmm. isn't too bad. And uh, what is Pfizer at? Is it? I think it should like be around 60 bucks. I think. I think it's cheaper than that. Yeah. I think it's like 40. You're right. 38. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 39. 39. 97. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Moderna is definitely. I mean, it's in their name. It's Mod RNA. They're in the RNA vaccine business, and that's definitely an issue that's gonna boom and take off in the next few years yeah and the, the similar thing with pfizer is that even like the the covid vaccine is not their one and only thing even if that, yes. if that doesn't work out they have other things yes. to fall back yes. on so but yeah how you said pfizer is a kind of you're not going to get huge yeah, returns no, it's with not the pfizer. a growth stock it's more value yeah and what's another one johnson and johnson johnson and johnson yeah i mean mm-hmm. they've had a little trouble with their their uh vaccine getting like a don't really, not recalled, but like it got paused there for a while because mm-hmm. of the blood clotting issue. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's a minor issue when Johnson Johnson is such a large brand that it shouldn't affect them long term. Right. Yeah, right now they're at 166. Yeah. They're down a little bit, but. Same thing with that company. That company doesn't move much. No. Over the past five years, what's what's the return on Johnson & Johnson? It, that one does not move much. The last five years? The last five years, yeah. As you're right, it has been just about the same. Yeah. What was it five years ago? Five years ago, it was exactly at 165. And what is it now? 167. Okay. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be a horrible thing to invest in. That yeah. is almost ridiculously stable. Unless it was yeah. for dividends. I believe their dividend is okay. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to retire or something, maybe yeah. then it makes sense. And but. they might be one of those dividend aristocrats that always raise their dividend. I'm not quite too sure. Right. right. Probably so. Uh, they they're definitely need the contenders for that. I mean, personally, I, I would rather be in something like a Facebook and a Google yeah, or I th- Apple. I mm-hmm. think that's definitely been the trend over the last two years that value stocks are out and growth stocks are in. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to sit there and watch their 165 become 167 over five years. Exactly. And yeah. the tech companies in the, as a whole, people just want to get yeah, right to that people, too. Yeah, it might be a little, uh, uh, I don't know what the word here is, a fanatic to be that heavy into tech. I think I think there's a lot of other growth stocks that aren't tech, and that would be that's where you kind of want to be. Or even like a caterpillar or deer, those are stable, but yeah. they still pay dividends yeah. and they still are going to have more growth yeah. than those other yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. And those are good based on the economy and more construction, which is right. always continuing. Right. So now, next subject, I want to switch. Let's talk more about the news with Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Okay. Last episode, we were literally talking about AMC probably buying MGM. And yeah. the next day, yeah, not AMC. 
We were talking about Amazon buying yeah, Amazon, MGM. thank you. La-da-da-da-da. <laughs> but, yeah, Amazon buying MGM. And that actually went through, and I believe it was $1.5 billion. No, it was eight point nine or something. 8. Oh, 5. my God. $8.5 billion. So, Riley, what's your thoughts on that one? I think I think it might end up being one of the best moves they've ever made or one of their worst. It might, like, because the problem with Amazon. Eight, oh, real quick. 8.45. So. 8.45. It says it was their second biggest, yeah. largest acquisition ever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what their first is. Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, Amazon, like, the whole thing about Amazon is they make most of their money on web services. Like, they, you know, pretty much are scraping even on, on the delivery and stuff because, like, all that stuff is expensive. There's a lot of overhead to that. But yes. they make a lot of money in the cloud doing that stuff. So I think this is another area where they're trying to make more money. And I think it's to strengthen their Prime Video brand. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, exactly. I believe they have, like, the second most subscribers out of any streaming service. But that also okay. is including, like, because it comes included with the Prime membership. Right. Yeah, so. Their numbers are inflated. Like, I, uh, I have Prime. I've never touched Prime Video. Like, yeah. And I think that's the case for most people that have Prime. Right. And I think it's it, it, it's it's a good bet that the, the demand for streaming services is going to grow, but mm-hmm. I don't know what appetite consumers have for to continue to pay for five or six services a month. And whether, I know. And yeah. whether in Prime Video might be good because it comes with something you want to buy anyway because you want right. to pay shipping. So, But I don't know if that's going to grow their Prime uh, subscription number. Like, right. I don't think. I feel like there's only going to be two or three main players yeah. in that streaming service five years from now. I mean, I think we're going full circle where eventually you're going to get bundles. I mean, if you if you sign up with like Verizon yeah. or something, you sign a contract today, they'll, sit, they'll put it, Hulu, they'll give you did, Hulu. And yeah, Disney like Plus, ESPN. Yeah. So the bundles are really already yeah, here. Yeah, I so. think it's going to be basically where you're paying cable all over again, where you get channels you don't need and stuff because it's all bundled. And I also heard that they don't have full rights to some of those movies they that when they bought MGM. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure too much about the yeah. details, but I yeah. know they don't have full I, I'm not rights. sure uh, what rights they do or don't have, but I think it's the, the NBC in the office kind of situation where they sold it years ago and couldn't get it back until they, you know, maybe, I don't know how long the term of the contracts are, but yeah, they might have a struggle getting some of those back because the company probably sold them off to make some quick money. Yeah. Which, which might probably have been the smart thing to do for MGM, but mm-hmm. with, them buy, with them getting bought out like that, it makes me think that maybe that COVID troubles and wanted a little bit of cash to start making movies that again. could be uh-huh. and for amazon it's not as big of a deal because they have so much cash oh, yeah. on the balance sheet oh, yeah. that nine yeah. billion is not the end of the world no it's nothing i mean i i think jeff bezos has made much himself in you know hours before i mean not he hasn't made it but he, his value has grown by yeah. that much i mean if you told me it's he's worth nine billion more dollars today than he was yesterday i'd believe you like mm-hmm. yeah. that is not that much nine million dollars is not not a lot of money. When you look at some other big tech company acquisitions, mm-hmm. they can get crazy. Like a, a bad one was one of the stocks I own is Salesforce. Ah, a couple months ago, they bought Slack for $26 billion. And the, and the, yeah. the, the stock crashed since then because investors knew that was too much. Yeah. 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 And I agree that they bought Slack. Slack is unprofitable. They lose millions of dollars. And Salesforce paid $26 billion yeah. for them. So, yeah, that was too much. But the other thing about the streaming services is, okay, have you heard of Curiosity Stream? Yes. I have. Okay, that one, that one, it's still a super small company. Yes. But I've been looking into that lately, and it looks like a super Do good. They have a stock. They have a stock. I did not know that. The ticker, I believe, is C U R I, and so I started buying it about ten, eleven dollars a share, and then today I think it's twelve fifty or so. Twelve twenty five. Twelve twenty five. And it was a lot higher a couple of months ago. It was trading in the in the twenty four or twenty five range. So 
I think long long term, I think one of these bigger players like Disney, Apple, or Amazon yeah. is going to buy out that company. And with a market cap mm-hmm. under a billion dollars, that's it's nothing. Like, yeah, that's you, nothing. Wall Street pumps way bigger than that on a daily basis. Right, and for what you're getting with Curiosity Stream, they yeah, are a cheap deal. Yes, and they are the number one player for documentaries. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and they just bought out another company called One Day University, where it's like hundreds of college lectures yeah okay so they have all that i feel like one of those streaming platforms uh, is going to want I that i think that's where they should end up focusing and making a ton of their money is the yeah. online lecturing and education because that really take off in the next few years they have a chokehold on that one because not really yeah. that many companies yeah. that's doing that it's like right brilliant but that could easily be bought out i don't believe they're a public company right yeah. right and what they said though was so their gross margins are like around 60 percent and they said the reason they're so much higher than other companies is because they don't have to spend much of money on making movies and stuff like yeah. if you make avengers it yeah, costs a lot yeah yeah they're very so. they're niche they're focused on like you know yes uh education almost and yes you can throw that very easily and the other thing i really like is the person who started this company is the one who grew the discovery channel and animal planet so he he made that and then he in 2014 he left and started curiosity street Hmm. so the whole team is from from that from discovery yeah so it's like and discovery just uh dropped their streaming service too uh, 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 There's so many streaming services. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. And that's why, like, I, I wouldn't know about Curiosity Stream standing on its own legs, but it's definitely a target for exit. Yes, and, yes. And you're not, you're not going to hear when you hear the news. It's not going to be Curiosity Stream bought for nine hundred million dollars. It's going to be a number much bigger than that. Yes, uh-huh. right, right. In the billions, yeah. Yeah. So, I've been buying that one lately, and yeah, that's probably a good play with with the with this market cap being so small. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's why I, I like like. That's why, you know, the whole penny stock thing, small market cap, that's how you make a lot of money is because $900 million goes to, you know, uh, uh, you know, $1.8 billion, uh, then it's, uh, what, doubled in value and it's right. still got room to grow. Now, I've never had this happen to me. Have you ever, do you know what happens is, let's say one of these companies buys Curiosity Stream. What, what do I get? What stock do I, uh, how does that, what, what happens to usually, the price? Usually you'll get shares in exchange. You'll get shares of the parent company. So if, if, Disney, if okay. Disney buys them, yes. I'll get a fraction of Disney. those Disney yeah. shares. Or uh, you'll get bought out. Or oh, I think they do like price. half cash or something. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. Like it, that. It, it, it's different for every company. It depends on if they're going public or going private. Yeah. But yeah, there could be any number of things they do. Uh, but like when they do buy the company, usually it'll be like, I, I don't, do you know what price they're at right now? Curiosity Stream. Yeah. It was twelve twenty-five. Twelve twenty-five. So like you would hear like they're like you would not like accept a buyout offer if you're running Curiosity Stream for twelve twenty-five. Because why would you? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were like eighteen, fifteen, you go okay, maybe. Yeah. So and when you see that happen, like then the price would go up because people, the investors know they can get guaranteed. Yes. Uh-huh. And a lot of times the company buying them out will pay a way bigger price. Like they'll oh, pay. Yeah. Yeah. They'll pay maybe twenty dollars for Curiosity yeah, Stream yeah, or something. De- they'll definitely so. go crazy with the acquisitions and and uh, make a, a, a really big margin on. That. I think that happened with uh, like a year ago. Who bought Grubhub? Uber. Or Uber. Uber, Uber was Eats. talks to, I believe. I don't. I, I don't know if they did. I don't sure. know. I, I think that happened. I, I yeah. I'm not quite too sure. I, I either did or it fell through. I can't remember. I want to say yeah. I, I do remember Grubhub's hub like price going up 20 percent. Right. Day. I right. Watching that happen. Yeah. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah, Uber did not get Grubhub. They didn't. They did so not. Grubhub is still. Yeah, I think they had problems with the FTC or something, or they yeah. didn't hmm. want having monopoly or something. Oh. Yeah, they did not get them. Yeah. I think Grubhub's still on their own for now. See, I don't yeah. understand how Uber Eats and, so especially DoorDash, though. So DoorDash has half of that 
food delivery market, and they're still they can't they're not reporting a profit. Oh, I don't think they ever will. I think like it, it's too hard for like because their whole business model is based on independent contractors. Yeah. And, and I think that model is is unfair in and of itself. I think a better path going forward would not be connecting drivers with restaurants, but connecting restaurants with people where you, the restaurants oh, have their own drivers. Right. They pay them, you know, and when they okay. don't have rides, they can you know, mob, you know, do whatever. That could pay. work. Yeah. I, I don't think the future is in independent contractors. You're you're going to get regulatory, you know, uh, uh, don't know what the word here is, but you're going to have problems with regulators. You're going to have kickback on that. Like, it, it's going to cause problems. Because they've been fighting with oh, those yeah. companies about giving benefits and stuff. Yep. Yep. But at DoorDash, they give benefits. They have the option. They have option to give benefits, which is different than giving benefits. Yeah. Because you got to, like, pay and sure you're getting a better deal. But, like, it's not the best. And if Salary's going to always be better. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. If, if they had to do that, that would make them even lose more money. Yeah, So exactly. it's just, yeah. but Uber Eats, so the, the the problem with Uber is just the Uber Eats is what's hurting their profits. Yeah. The ride the rides are, yeah. that part's profitable. I, I'm going to be yeah. honest, as a company, I, I'm not a big fan of Uber. I don't think they're, I think they were, a, you know, they're one of the unicorn ones where they came out, blew up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and they're yet to make a profit and probably never will. Their whole, like, shtick a couple years ago was, if we can get to self-driving, if we can get to autonomous, yeah. then we can make boatloads. Because you buy a car once, and you could do it, you know, however you want. It can yeah. always be driving 24/7. Mm-hmm. You need no one behind the wheel. Right. That but would work. That would make it profitable. That would work. But they sold that part of their business off a year ago. Did they? And, huh. they, and they sold off because I was, uh, I was, uh, had puts against it last time, which didn't go too well. But mm-hmm. it, it hasn't gone up since then. It's pretty much stayed even for like six months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also had like a point-to-point travel with like helicopters like can go to city oh to i city. saw that yeah. yeah they sold all that that off too and like to me when you start selling off all your moonshots the, the how you're gonna make all your real money that shows you're panicking that shows uh-huh. yes we need to strengthen our cash flow we need to strengthen our balance sheet we need more money more capital to invest in things. but do you think ride sharing is going away i don't think no. ride sharing is going away but one thing people don't talk about is taxis taxis still haven't gone anywhere there's in, in major cities like new york and chicago there's still taxis yeah. all one company needs to do create an app and then they that's uber and lyft yeah but then they could they already paying the workers they're already they already uh are salaried they already are profitable they're already established in these industries yeah so it's definitely something i'm not saying it's going to happen but it's something that uber and lyft or uber and lyft investors aren't really thinking of the possibility but why would people why would why would people choose the taxi if it's if it's more expensive than the uber um when it's not when uber's prices go up i mean you have stuff like surge pricing with uber where it can get pretty ridiculous yeah yeah so i'm not saying it's gonna happen today but it's definitely something that needs if you're going to invest in uber lift it's something you need to watch out for because there's uh it's like tesla and gm and you know stuff like that like when you're going against a heavy heavy hitting industry like that like betting on the underdog sometimes you will come out on the bottom you know you Mm -hmm. won't come out on top and you get you know one of the new york companies to just you know get a good app and be able to charge a fair price and right. standard price like similar if not equal to uber mm-hmm. that, that could knock uber out there. that could knock uber out of new york and then that company could then expand now i think tesla is gonna jesus it's going to do that too because when tesla has their self-driving cars yes they're gonna do the same thing they yes. get a ride-sharing thing yes uh, and uh, uh, the thing about tesla though too is they uh they could uh, almost sell their cars for cheaper they could sell you like uh it makes me think of like when you could buy a kindle back in the day you could buy it with ads yeah you would have uh-huh. it. so basically you buy a tesla and say hey 
we're gonna need this car for eight hours of the day. Right. So we're gonna set, it's gonna drive itself for eight hours a day, and then you could have. No, but what they said was it's just gonna make the person who owns the car money. Yeah. Because then you yeah. it's like Turo or something yeah. where you can rent out your yeah. car. So. And that's definitely it's definitely a. a something if Tesla can get to it first is something that would happen. Uh, that would be a huge incentive yes. for people to buy Teslas. Yes. You know? I, I, I'm, but as soon as that happens, like we're moving to a point like beyond personal vehicles where, yeah. where it's going to be like, you know, it's not going to look like cars. Like that's, if we want to talk about Tesla, like uh, uh, I'm way more interested in like that thing being combined with like something like Hyperloop where you have something going underground, 100 miles per hour, you know, for, you know, get you point, point A to point B extremely quickly and, mm -hmm. you know, on, on you know on demand whenever you want. I think there's yes. a lot more like 30 year potential in that than there is uh, in cars. I think it's right. going to be an outdated idea. Right, right. That's okay, a good wait, point. Well, what's going to be a, like an outdated idea? Like people owning a car. Owning a car. I mean, if you think about it, I, I drove here today and my car's sitting outside right now, not making money. And if you aren't making money, you're losing it. It's depreciating as we speak, little by it is little. True. Mm -hmm. So. It, it doesn't make sense if you could not do that. If I could have a car whenever I wanted, snap my fingers and it's here, yeah. then why would I bother owning a car? Right, it would save it's, you money. If it saved me money, especially like if it was worth it, like, you know, because the car lasts, what, five years before you want to get a new one. And if you can make it, so every time you need to ride, it's, it's about how much you'd spend on a car for five years, mm -hmm. then you're breaking even and then you can make it even less. Right. Because it, it's a deal. Because those costs will be so low to take people around yes. that people yes. will be saving Especially money. Especially with the better battery technology and going electric. I mean, it, fuel prices are already going through the roof. They're what are your thoughts on I want to get your I want to get your opinion on this. So last time they said, how long did you guys say it's going to take for the majority to start buying EVs? Um, I'm thinking it got to be at least 20. 20 He's saying 20 years. What do you mean? I think every car that any car manufacturer makes. I, 90% of the cars that any car manufacturer makes will be electric by 2025. That's what, I, that's what, it, I, that's it, what I'm it, saying. It, I don't think so. The way that car, the, uh, and I'm basing it off of what GM says. GM says that's what they're doing, and I'm basing it off of uh, when car manufacturers design a car, that process usually takes about five years. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone saw Tesla. We all sell Tesla. Everyone wants to be the next Tesla. Mm -hmm. So GM's going to see that, and that's something that, like, See, that's where Tesla needs to rely on its other things, Solar City, the uh, boring company, the, the, and the battery technology themselves. Because when it comes to car manufacturing, they might get some uh, resistance from legacy right. producers like GM and Ford. Right. But I, what GM said, a, a couple days ago, I heard GM said by 2030, they think 40% of their car sales are going to be electric. Yeah. I'm that's too sure. much for me. Yeah. You think that's too much? I think it's too much. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think, I see, uh, I mean, if you... It, Times have just changed. I mean, there's just a lot of things that people of our generation don't have an appetite for. Mm -hmm. If it's a similar price point for an electric car to a gasoline one, then you're gonna go for the electric one. Even if it's a little more expensive, you can tell yourself you're saving it on gasoline. Right. Like, but it's just those electric cars have to go down in price, though. Yes. And I don't see them yes. going down in price anytime soon. Why not? That is the best. That is a very good argument, and I and I, and I agree with you too that if the batteries that they're made of are a problem. The, the minerals that need to be made all right. come from China. That's a problem, which we've seen with the COVID shortages. When we're all relying on one place, it's a problem. And China mm -hmm. has all the technology they need to do that. So like something like NEO might be a good investment because China's right there. China, like China right now is like Japan uh, in the 50s. Like if you heard something was Japan, you thought it was crap. Then in the 80s, you're like, oh, you got a VCR from Japan? Wow, that's the nice stuff. Right, yeah, right. That's what China's about to be for EVs and electronics because they're about so? to have the chips. They're about to have the production capacity. Now, I read something this morning that said 
the reason Tesla's down 4% today is because it said sales in China for last month are supposed to be down. So maybe you're right. Maybe Neo will be the uh, dominant I, player. Uh, oh, I don't think I don't think Tesla has any shot in China, and it has nothing to do with the company itself. It's more about the landscape of China in, in itself. I mean, if you are on Xi Jinping's you know good side, you aren't going to get any business. Mm-hmm. Every every company owned there is is owned by the Chinese government. I mean, mm-hmm. right, right. It, it, sure, it might not be that way on paper, but you know, you'll see what Jack Ma like. If you say something that the uh, Give his title is I think Prime Minister. I think Xi Jinping's the Prime Minister. He might be President. But if you say something he doesn't like, you're going to disappear for a few months. Right, right. You're going to mm-hmm. get sent to re-education. You're going to do do whatever. So they're going to want, and they're ultra-nationalistic too. So they're also going to be, we don't want American companies here. We want Chinese companies. We want to support uh, Chinese brands. And Neo, in and of itself, it's kind of a cult. I'm not going to lie. They have these things called Neo houses. Yeah. And basically, it's like it's almost in a way to embrace. embrace Western culture, like you know. Oh, really? Yeah, like <laughs> you can look up these. It's called Neo Life. It's Neo like, Life. Hmm. Like they have these houses where there'd be a place like this where you can come and hang out, like, and you hang out with other Neo users. Like, wow. so they have a really strong brand. Uh, I, I don't know brand. Like image. a following. Yes. Loyalty. Exactly. Yes, they have that. Yeah, brand loyalty. They have that real strong in China, and I think you're gonna get problems with China because. They're at a point now where they're industrializing so quickly, mm-hmm. and and they may overtake us from number one economy here soon, just based on numbers alone, just based mm-hmm. on a billion people. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got so much business more you can do there, and if Neo can capitalize on the Chinese market, then they can start moving on to America, Mexico, you know, yeah. Canada, and then to Europe. Right, right. So, the biggest competitors to Tesla, I would say. Probably legacy auto manufacturers like GM, Ford, and Volkswagen, which is pro- that's probably the top three that'll give them a run for their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything out of China. And China's gonna be where their real competition is. People are buying Teslas in China not because they want to buy a Tesla, but almost because they have to. There's no, there's not a lot of good cars on the market. There's not a lot of electric cars. Mm-hmm. And when people don't have that selection, they can't really make a choice, and they'll just stick to gasoline or something. Mm-hmm. Like, and plus, the price of used cars is so high now. Yes. People yeah. are probably just going to buy just a new one. Yeah. And the other thing that influences that is in the upcoming years, depending on where gas prices go, uh, that's going to be a big factor, too. Probably, I, I still don't see it. I still don't see it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you know, set in stone yet, and anything could happen. I mean, we could we could be totally miscounting anything that's going to happen. They come out with hydrogen fuel cell cars tomorrow, right. and that could totally make us both wrong. You know, it's right. hard to see those things. And that's what Toyota was talking about. Yeah, I... I uh, I forget. Elon Musk had a problem with the hydrogen fuel cells. I forget, yeah. I forget what his. It, it, it's like was. it's not as efficient. Like it has to. Yes. In order for the hydrogen thing to make the same amount of energy as electric, it has to go through more processes yes. and filters and, and, and stuff. Okay. You, don't, you don't want so, that. Yeah. When you have more pieces, more stuff to break. Exactly. And harder exactly. to get to work. Exactly. But Bill Gates has also said the same thing about electric cars, where he don't think they'll ever be viable because he doesn't think the battery densities will be able to keep up with it, which may oh. be true, but like. I think Nissan it is. They're working on like a, a different type of battery. I forget. I forget what element they're using. It's uh, not water, is it? No. It's they might see. They might be doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it's like a. It's like a. Or solar. No, it's like a high capacity battery that has five times the capacity of lithium ion. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really too sure on electric cars though, but I we, guess. I guess maybe soon, but I think. Yeah. Hi, um, hybrid is the best. Yeah, probably the best thing to look forward to, but who knows? It's definitely yeah. where you make more in the stock market. That's for sure, though. Mm-hmm. 
But next, uh, let's start talking more about employment. Nico, employment? I know you wanted to. Well, empl- employment's getting bring better. That up or whatever. Yeah, because employment is a big factor on how the economy's doing and how the stocks perform. So lately, I've been tracking employment, and I think today it says employment's down to, or unemployment is 400,000. So it's been, the last couple of weeks it's been dropping, and I just think these are you know these are good signs for stocks, earnings, and consumer purchasing power. Yeah, people are going out more. Jobs are all open now. Like yeah. you can literally every, get a job wherever you want. Every to go. place I go, I see they're hiring. Yeah, I've, yeah especially like uh, places like Taco Bell, McDonald's. Sometimes they have to close early because they don't have enough people. Yes, and the one McDonald's, they were paying people fifty dollars to do an interview yeah. for them. Yeah, it was it, really. I, yeah, yes, you had to work there for six months though to qualify to get oh, it. Though. Oh. Otherwise, oh my god, I would have shut up an interview. <laughs> I know. Finish, uh, you know. But uh, that'd be the greatest interview I've ever had. <laughs> yes. They should pay fifty dollars for every interview. Yeah. But uh, uh, the unemployment numbers, I think they're still at like a, a pre-pandemic high. But mm-hmm. I still think it is a good sign because we've had a lot of stimulus over the last year. Yes, we've had so much money pumped in the economy. Not even just the, st- the stimulus checks, but uh, the Fed, uh, the business loans and stuff. Exactly, the PPP loans, the stuff like that that are just forgiven. Like that money is created and then forgiven. That, that, mm-hmm. Like it, it, you've never seen. We're putting quantitative easing to the test here. We're really seeing how much money can the Fed pump into the economy before it goes boom. Yeah. Um, but so, but like the reason it hasn't hit the fan yet is because people are still, you know, pinching pennies. They don't have mm-hmm. the ability to just go out and spend money because there is still a pandemic going on. And you, the prices are so high everywhere. Prices so. are so high, yeah. and that's and that stuff's going to continue, unfortunately. But like, even if things cost ten times more. And in the next 10 years, you'll be mm-hmm. making 10 times more. So it's a right. little uh, uh, different. But Because um, my, my friend said he, his dad owns Dunkin'. Yes. Okay. He, own, he owns the Dunkin' Donuts franchise. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. He said they had to raise prices on the coffee and stuff. Yes. But they also raised wages. Yes. So it's, it's you know, uh, both are happening. If I went into McDonald's and I bought a coffee and it cost 75 cents more than it did yesterday, I don't think I would notice. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I'd notice at all. I don't think it would make it so I wouldn't buy there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we always kind of pay too little for food. If you look at what we pay for everything else, like food and stuff like that, staples like that, are always been ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, it's hard for people that are, you know, food stamps, stuff like that to buy, but mm-hmm. it's always been incredibly cheap. I, like uh, uh, we were talking the other day, uh, uh, looking at gas and milk prices, like from the '70s till now. Yeah. And they haven't really changed. I mean, if you adjust for inflation, gas yeah. has actually gone down. The price of gas. Oh, I see what you're saying. Gone down for inflation, and like milk, still at like two dollars a gallon, still around there. And, like, right, but it back hasn't changed. But back then it was like fifty cents. No, like a gallon in the '70s was like two. I think. We it really? Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Oh, if know. you adjust for inflation, I believe. Yeah. If you adjust for inflation, it's probably the yes. same, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, still, prices are gonna should have gone up and increased in inflation because the economy is getting more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. There's more middlemen. There's more things that need to be done. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that? That wouldn't make the prices cheaper for those. I mean, if you get established, but I mean, it's milk. It's been way more established, and gasoline should shouldn't be cheaper after inflation than it is. Because it's a resource getting more scarce. Exactly. Yeah. So that one definitely doesn't make any sense at all. But yeah, you would expect consumer staples to still go up a little mm-hmm. over that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Because everything gets more expensive as time goes on. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, Riley, my next question is, what are your thoughts and opinions on Zoom? Zoom, uh, it's definitely an interesting stock. It's, it's kind of tangential. One of my favorite stories is, the, is Zoom is ZM. Mm-hmm. There's the ticker Z-O-O-M. Mm-hmm. Back in the beginning of the pandemic when t- everyone's talking about Zoom, that stock got pumped because people right. didn't know what they were buying. <laughs> I heard that. It's tangential and it just shows that sometimes the market can be idiotic, but it's still funny nonetheless. Um, but with Zoom, the company, uh, they're not at their all-time high right now, which is surprising because they took a hit from like, because I think they're like, China, they have Chinese affiliations, I forget. Yeah. But like... Um, now look at this. This this is the same thing here with this Ethan Allen, this furniture company. What are they, the ticker is oh. ETH. And so the, the, oh, this right. same stock, uh-huh. the stock's up 150% to the year. That's because people thought it was Ethereum. Yeah, yep. You okay. see what I mean? So that's See a another... lot of stuff like that. People must really not be paying attention. God bless America. Because <laughs> yeah, stockbrokers putting in orders without thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Because Zoom in October was 568. But really, okay, so how does Zoom make money? Uh, I believe I believe I looked at their chart a minute ago. I don't think they do. Um, no, they, they make money. They make money. Uh... I mean, if you look at why they're, uh, I said, oh, they do make money. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite too sure how. They, I, is how it just a money. subscription? Some people are paying for it. Uh, no, you don't pay for Zoom. You don't pay for it. That's 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 what I'm saying. I mean, I think their big controversy back in the day was like selling information to China, so they might be doing the whole uh, Facebook thing where they sell info and stuff. Oh. Okay. But I definitely see that like a smart area for them would definitely be going to a subscription service where like the business pays for yes, it. Yes, right. You put your employees on there. How about I say they'd probably like do partnerships with universities and yeah, businesses stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, right. I said because I'm shocked Google didn't go up. Like people didn't hop on Google's. Um, Google is it Google? Teams? No, uh, Google, Google Duo. Google Meets. Google Meets. Google Meets. Yeah. Google Meets. Instead of Microsoft Teams. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of bad acquisitions, Microsoft with Skype pretty much killed Skype. Now they have to use Teams. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um. But do you think something like Zoom? Where do you think Zoom's going to be at in five years? Um, I, I I don't I don't know how much growth they have left in them just because this is like pushing them to their limits. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll get much more usage because there's a lot of people. Uh, Going back to school too, like, especially yeah, this fall. They're focusing on returning to work, and there was a lot of kickback on that. A lot of people don't want to do that. They want to work from home. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 it might have peaked for now. Well, yeah, but I've also seen a lot of people say, especially on LinkedIn, that a lot of jobs and positions have to operate in an office. It does not work that good if you do it at yeah, home. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they so, say that, yeah. Well, we'll see. or not is depending on the company. Right, because a lot of the big ones like Facebook and stuff, they have said we're trying to keep it strictly at home. That's that because a lot yeah, of tech that, companies, you don't even need to go to the office. Yeah, right? uh, and yeah. if it's going to save them a bunch of money and stuff. If you're stuff, a programmer, you can do it at home on a laptop. Right, right. And it saves money. You don't have to pay for the entire building, just the, the yeah, cleaning and everything. Yeah, you, you save on the lease. You save a whole ton of money doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... I just feel like they do have the name brand, they and do. so as long as they keep some relevant, you know, if they're if they're somewhat relevant in the future, yeah, which I think they are going to be, then I don't think it's a bad stock to be no, in. No, I don't think it is either. But user growth might be damn near impossible to do with their rise up, mm-hmm. but profit yeah, growth might be something in the right. books. It might be something they're able to do. Right. Okay. Next one I want to get your opinion on is Coinbase. Coinbase. See, Coinbase is a very interesting uh, company. They. Uh, I'm gonna look at their market cap real quick while I'm talking here, but I'm gonna guess it's what 65 billion. Yeah, probably something like that. But if you look at the crypto market in a whole, it, it, I don't think Coinbase is the end-all, be-all of exchanges. Like they mm-hmm. only did one billion dollars in revenue last year. Hmm. But look at the revenue growth. Yeah. If this, you look at the past three true. years, the this revenue is growth is insane. They've about they've over doubled. I actually think they tripled in a year. Yeah. Huh. But when you look at the crypto market as a whole, and it's a uh, 
two trillion well, was it a peak two trillion dollar market mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're talking about a 1.7 billion it's revenue so it's being traded back and forth and mm-hmm. not all coins are being traded always but it's still a very small fraction of what's out there right but the other thing you have to look at is let's say there's another competitor or something okay yeah, like Binance would be the like Binance yeah Coinbase has 56 million users. Yes. That's going to be really hard for a competitor to come in and take all that. And But what doesn't really entertain me about the stocks, like you know, like the exchanges like Coinbase, is not exchanging. Because you're not making much money on doing that. Well, what really uh, excites me is when they're holding the coins, when they have those built yes. up. Because then when they're appreciating a value, the stock is going through the roof. Because yes. an exchange can hold billions of coins. Like, right. you can have so much money. I'm sure their, their assets and their management are at the peak was more than their revenue. Like, right, they right. so much built up, and that's what excites me more. Yeah, because I think it said 90% of their revenue is from just those transaction fees. Yes. Oh, you see? Okay. So, and, I, and I know when I, I've been making trades on there with Cardano and Polygon and stuff, yes. they charge, like, it's like two bucks sometimes, three bucks per yeah. trade. So yeah. it's not super cheap. No. But... It's definitely more exciting as a crypto bank than it is a crypto exchange. Yes. you make more money in that than... If that $2, they have to spend the electricity, they have to spend all that, the people they hire. Right. That pretty much washes itself out. But right. if they're, I'm not sure how much of their coins, because that's how exchanges work. They buy coins from other people and say, like that's how uh, uh, Helium, which we haven't talked about in the podcast we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. like it's not listed on exchanges, but exchanges can buy it mm-hmm. and then list it. So then they're holding the crypto. That's like, what's the company, MicroStrategy? Is it? Uh, I've that's heard of that one, stock. I have not looked into that's it. That's with uh, Michael Saylor. He was the first one to like bring about this Bitcoin hype oh, with, the, okay. with the corporations buying. Okay. They started buying. They put over a billion dollars in when Bitcoin was twenty thousand. Yeah, that's quite a bit of money. You see, I think they put all their assets in. Yeah. So that's what that's what you're saying, though. The stock appreciated because yep. of their Bitcoin p- position. Yep. So, but as far as have you looked at like as far as the valuation of Coinbase or investing in Coinbase, what do you think? Uh, I have not looked at the valuation, but based based on the fact that they're making money, I mean they they did what 1.7 billion dollars in revenue, and you said how much were they? 35 billion in market cap? No, I think it's. 60 I'm gonna say it's more. I'm gonna say it's close to 60. 60 billion, 61 billion in market cap. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're what their price to and sales look at, then would be. It's high. They're, it, yeah. It's at a high ratio, but if you compare... 21, that's not bad. Prices, that's not bad for... For how fast they're going to grow. No, that is not bad. That is not. That is definitely a good crypto uh, speculative play on Coinbase. And the other thing to look at is, look at where it IPO'd a, you know, a month or two ago, and yeah. look how much has come down. Yeah. And See, there was a lot of firms like ARK and stuff, they were buying at $400 yeah. a share. Yeah. So now it's at 250 or whatever. It's not that yeah, expensive. Yeah, no, and it's definitely good to... When those IPOs tank after opening and they don't go through the roof like something like DoorDash did, like right. at that point when you almost want to get on it. Yeah, because I know I try telling people the first couple months of an IPO is normally a bad time to invest. Yeah, they, they, they uh, they've almost never made any money. Investing on day one almost it always kind of tanks after because you got people that made the money that started exactly. the company selling those you know, insiders. Whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. But the thing you got to look out for is when those companies go IPO and those insiders are selling shares. Mm-hmm. You have to wait till the lockup period ends. Yep. So they have six months to until they can sell their shares, and then normally six months after the IPO, there's a pretty big drop. Yeah, they're gonna sell. They're, they just got rich. They're gonna sell a few. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what you, yeah. you gotta watch out uh, for. That, I think that's something that's ha- uh, happened similar with Palantir. Oh, Palantir. Palantir. Yeah, Palantir. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that's that's how the the thing it's named after is pronounced. Uh, Palantir. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Because it's actually named after something in the uh, Lord of the Rings series. I oh, it's, oh, really? It's, it's an orb that you hold, and it could like show you any events, past, oh, present, wow. or future. So, that's like, cool. that's what the company does, because you know they're selling information. So it's like we can show you whatever. Yeah, you need to that's see. cool. That's yeah. cool. 
That's a that's, raw name. That's yeah. another one though. That one has a pretty big valuation. It, it does, and it might be a lot of hype based on the whole information selling I know. Uh, uh, craze. But what excites me more is like they've got uh, contracts with the Department of Defense. Yes, stuff like that is way more entertaining. And, and way more like there's com- there's big companies like 3M. They said they're expanding their contract with Palantir. Yeah. So the, I, I have a little bit of Palantir. Yeah. And because I feel like a lot of people say they're the only one in that industry doing that right now. So it, if they're it's almost like a monopoly. But I mean. I don't know. I think yeah. as as much as high as the valuation is, it's at like forty billion, and I don't think they're not even profitable yet. I still think long term, it's a good stock to be in. It's definitely like one of the uh, uh, almost a meme stock where you can still make some money on it because you're like even if it continues not to make money, if you get one good quarter, one mm-hmm. you know, or one good you know contract, just good news or something. Exactly, it could end up going through the roof again. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. long as you get out walk away a winner right right as long as you're not left holding the bag i don't know what its high was but i remember because i i've been you know on reddit you know the stock forums for like like i got involved in mark so i've watched all these things start to happen then happen then yeah you know the consequences of that like you know a lot of people investing back when like ipo or, or whenever that was or i don't know i think it, it was like six ago. months yeah. ago yeah october, and it hit, october it jumped yeah. to like 45 dollars a share saw or something. a bunch of people buy call shares and then yeah it tanked like 20. right and then yeah so it's definitely one you gotta be careful, but uh, AMC and GME both the same thing. GME hasn't like hit where it was at its all time high, but it crashed down and then went back, it came back up. up. Right. Yeah, right. and I think it's you know a, you know throw a dead cat to the ground and it'll still bounce. Like it's the dead cat bounce thing where it's still got some life left in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. now we'll go back to the cryptos that we were just talking about. Helium. Okay. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. Can you explain uh, what we were talking about so, earlier? Uh, the reason I got into this is because a couple friends were talking about it. Where it's a uh, 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 it's called the helium hotspot miner, and I'm not quite too familiar with the technology behind it. Here's what it does: it's a hotspot. I don't think it is for like internet access, but like near field communication, kind of like where two things can interact, not where you can access the internet, but where two things can interact. Okay. And basically, you make money by putting in one of these uh, one of these little things into the wall, and then it's like it's like five watts of power, so it doesn't draw any energy at all. There's almost no energy cost. And it uses radio frequency technology to compute the blockchain. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how any of that works. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting because it, it, it pays for itself in a month. One of these miners pays for itself in a month um, right now, with the price of helium being where it's at right now. What's the price of the miner now? Uh, price like, of the miner, it, it's, uh, it's all over the place. You can, get, you can get ones for 450 that won't come for a while. They can go for 1300 or even higher. Like, they mm-hmm. can go for a lot of money. Okay. But uh, it's definitely something that's interesting and that caught my attention after Elon Musk announced we don't like Bitcoin because of the proof of work system, you know, mm-hmm. where it takes so much energy. So it's basically looking into alternative blockchain computing technologies because they're using radio frequencies, ultra low power. It might be something interesting, especially if that system can be used to uh, control autonomous cars. Now, do you know for the helium coin, do you know if there is a a limited supply is it March? There is, there is. There, okay. uh, I believe their maximum supply is eighty-four million or something. Okay. Uh, and less than half have been mined. Okay. Okay. That's always one of the biggest signs for me. That that's what I'm looking for. Is with these cryptos. Yeah. Is it a, you know, a cap supply or can they just keep making no, more? No, I believe it is caps. Okay. Uh, I'm fairly confident it's capped. I'm fairly confident there's eighty-four million. There'll only ever be eighty-four million. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of those cryptos like Doge and stuff, that's why I don't like Doge. Oh, they yeah, can Doge, make unlimited. Doge prints like t- 10, mil- 10 billion coins like a yeah. day or something like that. I forget what the number is, but yeah, yeah, they print so many coins a day, and that that hurts because 
It's like setting it up just to fail and just yeah. keep going down. That's a lot of coins. I, I did yeah. not know 10 billion. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's a ridiculous number. I'm not sure if that's true, but yeah, it's definitely because I mean they're they're they were worth pennies, so like it's worth it's a very large number of mm-hmm. coins. So mm-hmm. that's why the market cap looks high and the price is low because there's so many coins, mm-hmm. and that really hurts and stuff like that because the the way GME and AMC and stuff like that goes to the roof is because by people lock up those shares. They buy all those shares, mm-hmm. whether it's for index, ETFs, or other things. They lock up all those shares, and then when 95% of the people are convinced it's only going up, yeah. you have the other 5% trying to get in on it, trading right. back on and it, forth, yeah. it's going to go through. But do you know how some of these cryptos can do the fork thing yeah. where, they, yeah. where they stop? That's that's a big thing, because if that happens, if, when, it, when some of these cryptos get halved like that, and I guess the other the, the coins that have not been mined, they can't be mined anymore. Yeah. So that's a big thing because then that means those coins that were mined, those are probably going to go up in value. Yes. Yes. So that's a big, that's an yeah. important thing too. So do you own one of these miners at all? Uh, I own one. I don't have it yet. Yes. Okay. It, it, it's still, it's delayed because of probably the chip shortage and everything, but hopefully mm-hmm. it should come the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now before the pot, you're talking about some date in August about Helium. Um, oh, right. Yes, the, I believe there's a happening event. I haven't, I, I, I've not too well looked into this. It's because it's like something, it's really gimmicky to me. It gets complicated if you yeah, look into if it. If you yeah. look into it, yeah. It sounds complicated. Yeah, it is. Like, but you know, you plug it into a wall, it makes you a ton of money. You know, it's gimmicky. <laughs> I, I will believe it when I see it. Right. But uh, I definitely haven't like focused. It's definitely, it's just something that kind of fell into my lap. It's not something that I found. It's something uh-huh. that. Uh, a couple friends of mine were talking to me about just independently of one another, and then when they both came to me with it, I'm like, okay, maybe we should do something. Yeah, else. yeah. No. Hope well, that works out for you. Next one That's I want to next one I want to get your opinion on is a company named Roblox. Roblox. See, and Roblox is one of the most ridiculous valuations I've probably ever seen. <laughs> I mean, uh, I believe I was just looking at it. Uh, I'm gonna go get the market cap here so I can be accurate when I say it. At least the but kids love the game. The so. kids yeah, yeah. love the game, but. You're talking about a market cap of $54 billion, $55 billion. And, and they're not profitable yet, are they? Uh, no, and if you think about it, like if you look at a very similar game, uh, Minecraft, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was only bought for a few billion by Microsoft yeah. like a few years ago. Y- y- no way in no well, way in they'll make that back. Well, I think the thing with Roblox is those those companies like to that trade at big PE ratios and stuff. Yes. It's because the, the market's trying to factor in all the growth of it over yeah, the next five but years. Like, they're factoring in that the growth is just going to continue. Stop. I know. I know. Like, there's not enough children to go around. Like, there's but, not, may, but maybe yeah. it will. If the gaming yeah. thing keeps, you know, five, ten years from now, gaming's probably still gonna yeah. keep growing. But the one thing about kids, though, is kids like they move on. Quickly. They change their. They, they change their interests. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, five point five billion would still sound pretty high, but it would sound way more reasonable than fifty-five yes. billion. Yes. But, it, and it, but it's just something that is kind of an example of the overall market where it doesn't matter if it makes sense. It matters if it makes money. Just like the rest of the stocks. So I so Roblox IPO'd at sixty four dollars. Now it's ninety seven. Yeah, hmm. and their IPO price is a little ridiculous too. So I guess if it came maybe like below sixty dollars, it might be worth looking at. Oh yeah, it's definitely a speculation play, and I'm not saying it's going to crash anytime soon. I'm saying it's ridiculous and probably will continue to be so. And it looks like so they're they're trying to grow their 3D digital worlds. Yeah. Out. Okay. And the whole thing about Roblox is like, it started kind of like almost as a Minecraft spoof. I think it might even be older than Minecraft originally, mm-hmm. but like, like it's not just uh, like where you go and build blocks. Like there's mini games you can play, mm-hmm. you go race cars, you know, team deathmatch, stuff like that. Right. Have you heard about Corsair? Yeah. Have you looked at company? Yes. I've heard about it. I've seen their growth 
and gaming is definitely an industry that's still got a lot of growth, still a lot of got uh, mm-hmm. Most too. definitely. Yeah, but hardware might be a little tricky. Well, wh- what I heard was uh, apparently Corsair is going to start making their own chips. See, and that's something that is way more exciting and way more Yeah, that would be a game changer. Yes, that it would be, yes. But yeah, they're, they're definitely one of the ones, too, that have gone through the roof as well. Mm-hmm. And they might not, they're probably definitely not worth it right now, but it might be worth it. Which one? On Which? Later. Corsair or Roblox? Corsair. Cor- Corsair is, it's not, it's not too expensive. No, right no, now. and it's, it's probably just factored in the growth. Roblox is factored in a fever dream. That's never going to happen. Like, there's, yeah. there's, unless inflation goes through the roof, there's, there's no way, like, they're, they're losing money and probably will continue to do so. If, yeah. If they're not just scraping by, like. There's just not a lot of money into that. You could start doing things like in-game transactions, but when you start, you know, doing that to children, you're gonna get some kickback. Yeah. That's not gonna go over well. Mm-hmm. Do you guys see like Microsoft or like PlayStation ever buying Corsair though? That's that's a possibility. I mean, it, I think it depends on how big Corsair gets. It, it, it definitely would be interesting because th- there's definitely like some consolidation going on, especially on Microsoft's uh, front. And I think they got the edge over PlayStation with their Game Pass. Yeah, or the subscription that's a- service. I think that's gonna be huge. And if you look at their most recent Xbox they sold, I'm pretty sure this is the last almost dedicated gaming console. Like, in the next time you buy it, it'll basically be a PC meant for video games, where you can change out the parts, where you can do everything you can do with the PC, but it's an Xbox-branded thing. Yeah, but I think the problem with that is, I think if you want to do that, why might, why not just buy a, a PC then? Because uh, it's it'd be built for gaming, and like it, it's like you could build your own, or you can buy mine that I made for scale or cheaper. Okay. Like when you're making a whole bunch of them, it's cheaper and easier to do, and they got the technology, and like they had a deal with the with you bought the Xbox, like. You could buy it outright, or you can buy it for thirty-four bucks a month, which comes with Game Pass, which is like a fifteen-dollar deal. And like, so it's like they're getting—they're trying to, you know, monetize everything and make everything a subscription. I think that's definitely something to look out for. The subscription model is good. That, Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Annualized recurring revenue is definitely a line item a lot of uh, Wall Street firms look for. Right. Right. When you get that money coming in guaranteed, continually, it's guaranteed. But uh, uh, it's easier to good. predict what's going to happen throughout exactly. the year. Exactly. Yeah. You know you're going to have money win. You know, you know that, how much yeah. you're going to have. Now, one thing I don't understand, I see this in a couple stocks when I check their their earnings, the revenue and net income, like on Yahoo Finance. Uh-huh. Do you know why some companies report, like it'll say earnings for 2022 have been reported now? No. Some companies, there's some companies that ha- that do that. I wouldn't know how that's possible I think it's Salesforce and stuff. They they report, mm-hmm. it'll say. Maybe. He sure it's not like an estimate? No, it's not an estimate, no. Sa- Salesforce is CRM, right? CRM. I'm pretty See, sure. The the thing with Salesforce is they, uh, a lot of, their, their clients are generally like kind of businesses. Yeah. So they might have contracts signed already. And buy it like a year mm-hmm. out or whatever. Yeah, it just seems a little weird that they'd be saying 2022 numbers when they don't know if they're going to get a new client or lose one. Right, that's what I'm confused. So let me see if I can find an example. I, I got there's there's a couple companies out there. I got to find them. But next, the next stock I want to get your opinion on is Zillow. Zillow, I think Zillow is like one of the, like the good tech unicorn uh, unicorn to invest in. Like, and by good I mean not just a growth play but a, a speculative one. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to cut out the middleman. No one wants to pay that five percent to the real estate agent. And I think Zillow is starting to offer better deals than that. Like they only take you know. A certain percentage and I think you know if they say one percent will sell your house put it online most people now go online to buy a house first they don't go to the local real estate agent anymore. exactly and what I heard though is the way for them to increase their profitability is instead of them being the middleman they need to be the person who actually owns the house yes that way there's no they're writing loans now too yeah so that's that the next big thing that well. will be the big thing but 
the thing I've looked at before is with Zillow, there's a lot there's a lot of competitors. Yeah. So like there's Redfin, there's Open Door, and it's like how do you know which one is the one to invest in? You know? If I were if I were truly to think about it and you said I have to pick one of those three companies, first thing I do, go to their website. Which one looks the cleanest, which one's the easiest to use? Mm-hmm. Which one would I be like, yeah, I would use this again if I had to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It, you know, I, I, I've used Zillow before. It's fairly easy, and I've tried to use the other one. It was Redfin. Redfin. I've tried to use it before, and it's a little cluttery, a little kind of like, you know. So when you, you got to go look at the product. you got to look what they're really selling, what they're selling as a website. Right. Sir Zillow can sell your house, but that's a website that can sell your house. They're selling a website. Now, you don't think – I've heard that people have problems using Zillow, and that's why they still go to real estate agents. I mean, yeah, I mean, have people do that for anything i like yeah i like real estate agents probably people are still going to use for now but zillow yeah i mean i'm an average consumer i would say mm-hmm. and i've never heard of those other companies besides oh, yeah zillow. yeah I, I, i'm trying to think of a good example here what it be but like any technology you know you're gonna have people being like oh you know I, I can't think of a good job that's been replaced but like you know you they're gonna be like oh i'll stick to the old ways because these newfangled ways you know don't make any sense to me but right eventually over time it'll catch up and they'll be like you know our generation doesn't if they can avoid human interaction they will like yeah if they can go yeah. around it and not have to talk to anybody they'll just click buy you know and right, just go right. through the house and uh uh my buddy was telling me something about uh zillow or another company that was doing this and you know maybe an acquisition for zillow where you put a like lock on the house door oh yeah yeah and like it can be unlocked remotely so you can go and walk and view the oh, house I themselves. About, yeah yep i right. heard of that yeah, yeah. So that's definitely something. When it gets when you when you start cutting out people, cutting out the middleman, you start making more money. You start mm-hmm. making profits. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely Zillow is probably one of the good growth growth and like it's got some value there too. Mm-hmm. It seems like though when they do things like that, like a Carvana or something. Yes. It seems like when they take out that middleman. Yes. It helps the consumer because it's cheaper, but the service is a lot worse. It seems like. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's very true. So. Um. Yeah, because you don't have the one-to-one care. You don't yeah. Have that. But I mean, if I can get you your car for fifty bucks cheaper, do you care? Right. Well, like, some people, yes. Other people, fifty bucks. I'm going on a family vacation, fifty bucks a day for two weeks. That yeah. means something. So it, it seems like the big thing for those companies that are those innovative companies with that technology are trying to take out the middleman. The big thing is how can they get their their product or service like raise the quality of it to where yeah. it's not. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Where you want you kind of because that you don't have that human interaction. Right. I. I you definitely need uh, more digital interaction. You need to make your apps easier to interface mm-hmm. with. You need to make, the second you have a customer service complaint, you really need good customer service. Like, yes. That is the make or break. Like, Because if you can't get help with something, you're gonna hate the company. Everyone's been on the phone with the company that they never want to deal with again because they've yeah. been sit on hold for so long. And then you'll interact with other companies and they'll, you know, I love the ones where you can message them and Apple has something where you can business chat. Yes. Like that uh, is something that's really good. You got cool. good customer service. Good customer service, yeah. Now some companies though, they have like nothing. Like they like, you know, Robinhood has, well, I think Robinhood, they just are getting a phone number out there now. Yeah. But before Robinhood, they didn't have yeah. a number to call. I've heard of people having real trouble contacting Robinhood. Taking yeah. you know, a long time to get a response and the response not being very helpful when they did. And that's because right. they're not really focused on the consumer uh, end of it, like the consumer relations. And that's a lot of these tech companies like Zillow, like that's what's going to make or break them is consumer relations, whether they're able to get you what you need when you need it and be able to help you in a timely manner. Yeah. And then we still like word to mouth things. If I have a good thing, good experience with one company, exactly. I'm more than likely going to talk about it on Facebook yeah. or with right. my friends about, hey, if you look look for us, probably look as yeah. um, Zillow or whatever. Right. You're going to sit on hold for six hours, then you're going to have a real problem. But exactly. see, I think the reason Robinhood's probably taking it more seriously now is because they're going public. Yeah. That end of 
thing that happened probably a couple months ago. Too, oh yeah, so. they've had they had so many problems in the past. Yeah, they, they haven't gone public yet already. I, I, I don't know. I don't think they, they did. Uh, the, the reason for that is probably all the bad press they're getting, and I and right. I expect that to continue. I think they're supposed to have a giant valuation too. Oh yeah, a ridiculous. One, probably, probably so. Probably. Uh, but I think Robinhood's got a real uphill battle now because Wall Street's always hated Robinhood for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But now regular people hate Robinhood for obvious reasons as well. So it's got very high unpopularity now. Where Robinhood used to be a thing, like you know, I, I know a lot of people that won't use Robinhood because you know Robinhood sucks. You know, the yeah. company sucks, and it's not about the app. Their app is great. I love their app. It's amazing. Yeah, it's app. super it's easy to use. Very amazing so. app. Probably the best stock market, stock app out there. But, you know, you got a stomach, you know, uh, uh, watching the Vlad guy on TV say a whole bunch of garbage, and you're just like, oh, man. like They need a new CEO, like too. Yeah, yeah, probably. But, you know, when he founded the company, what are you going to do? You yeah. really can't kick him out. Right. Well, he could step down, probably like, a, I don't know, like an he, advisor or yeah, something. he could step down, but it's very unlikely that he would do yeah. that. Riley, can you tell us, have you ever experimented with options trading? Uh, I've probably done more than I've experimented. I, 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 I made a quite a bit of money and then struggled to continue that rate of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best strategy, like, there's a couple different ways to play options. If you're managing a large portfolio, mm-hmm. they're really good for like downside protection. You know, yeah. buying some far out spy puts helps you just case the market tanks. Or if there's a company you're not sure about where it's like they might grow and if they do grow, it'll be huge, they might tank. So you don't have to put as much money online if you're to buy shares and you can still get that uh, the buy-in. Uh-huh. Now, do you know how, how to do covered calls? Yeah, I mean, you uh, uh, sell calls with your shares, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. I'm still trying to figure, learn about that. So basically, um, wait, yeah, if you sell a call, uh, you're selling the right to buy mm-hmm. 100 shares at a certain price. So if you expect the market might tank, right? Let's say I have 100 shares of Tesla and I think they're about to take a hit when the next quarter numbers come out and it's not gonna be good. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're about 650 bucks right now and I wanna lock that in in case they go down. So what I do is I have 100 shares, so I sell one $650 call. And if it goes up, great, that expires, I lose the premium, that's it. Or I, or I uh, yeah, if it goes up, then yeah. You have to buy a call first, right? No, covered calls are with shares, I believe. I don't have that much capital to do these types of strategies, but basically uh, it's if the price goes up, no, I have it backwards. The price goes up, you you would have to sell those and lose money, but you're betting oh. the price goes down, but oh, you're also okay. betting that you want to hold those shares as well if hmm. nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So like if it just stays flat, you pretty much just pluck the premium. Because it seems like there's people that do that like every day and it seems like they make money no matter what. Yeah, it's like the new kind of dividend investing where it's just, you know, you're getting premiums every day or even a little bit. You get to keep that premium as long as the price goes down. And so I had it backwards. I was thinking uh, the selling covered puts or whatever, or mm-hmm. uh, buying covered puts. Um, but yeah, you basically just sell and you try to collect a premium. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost, it's not almost so much a bet that it's going to tank. It's more of a bet. It can be. But a lot of the times from the stuff you're talking about when it's done on a daily basis, it's a bet that it's not going to move. It's about that it's gonna stay pretty right, consistent. Right, right. Yeah, I see. Okay, I think this is probably our last topic, but I want to get your thoughts and opinions on sports betting and that industry as a whole. Sports betting, I, I think. Uh, I mean, that really almost fits into the whole online gaming kind of thing too. Like, if you hmm. really think about it, when you go to like a lot of the casino websites, the games they have are really games. Like, they're they just have money involved, so to get people hooked and stuff. So I think it's definitely a large industry, and like sports betting in general, like DraftKings, MGM, like stuff like that is 
definitely in and it's definitely big. Whether they get some regulatory kickback on that is is to be determined because they could have problems with that because they design these games and these bets to be addictive. Like, uh-huh. like they the, are addictive. The way they do, like uh, like on DraftKings, where you can like do like like where you can bet on a whole bunch of games at once. You bet like twenty bucks and like you bet on seven different things to happen. If they all happen, you can make like a million dollars. Something yeah. ridiculous like that. Like it, it's definitely it, it's definitely gonna you're gonna be hearing about it in the next few years because the government's gonna try to do something about it because the states need a uniform law and all that it's definitely there's i mean there's not a ton of money in gambling because you're only making you know 54 you know 46 so you're only returning only so much because the house always wins but you mm-hmm. look at casino companies revenue their profits are not that much they're doing a whole ton of revenue their profits are decent but oh. they're not as much as okay right right yeah so they're they're generally thin margin businesses they're not making a ton of money because people do win big and they win big all the time mm-hmm. but you have people winning well, losing uh, decent amounts more often, so that's you try to balance out. It's almost like insurance, like it's almost like an insurance company where yeah, you, as long as you come out on top because of the you odds. Come out on top of the odds, yeah, you'll do that's all it. right. But there's there's not going to be they're not going to be making sixty percent margins because no one's going to make a bet that head ridiculous. Right, not, right. Not that many times over. Yeah, because yeah. not not out of ten times you're probably going to lose. And yeah, but that's why it seems like some so many people who go to the casino do the sports betting. A lot of them win. A lot of them are successful. And like yes. I know a lot of friends yes. and family who, when they go to the casino, they always walk away with like a hundred, two hundred yes. bucks. See, that's crazy to me. Like, I, I, I like sports betting. Like, I'm probably addicted to. It. I would, if I had like a chance, like a choice or whatever, I would rather do sports betting than just regularly go to the casino. Yeah, so I, I feel too. like my odds at sports betting are way and higher. I, I sports betting is different. That's what yes. we talked about last time. Where sports betting is not just strict gambling. It's there's some strategy and some theory that goes yeah, into it. Yeah, there is a little bit, and I believe. Uh, I don't know if you remember that uh, dude on Jeopardy a few years back, the, the James guy. Yeah. He was actually like a sports better. That's where he got his starts, where he got his money. So it's interesting to go see he did something like that. Yeah. That's tangential, but like it shows like when you bet on sports, you can make some money. You, you mm. got to be prepared to take some losses though. But mm. like I, I've seen the odds before. Like if you bet $100, if you bet on a subpar athlete, it pays out $88 for every 100. But yeah. if you bet on a decent athlete, you know, someone, someone high up there, you know, you bet on Michael Jordan, 97, you know. Something like that. Um, uh, you pays out one hundred eight, one hundred eight dollars for everyone. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it does definitely pay out when you know what you're doing. But it's so risky to get involved in. It's it's definitely something like if you get good and you get statistical about it, it's almost another source of income because it really right, is. Right. If you're really good at it and like you win more than you lose, like because you're gonna lose, you're gonna lose a lot. But it's not about never losing. It's about winning more than you. Right, exactly. Because you, because you see those odds, you're like, hold up now. I yeah. think I could do this. Yeah. yeah, and then you just, you know, and then you dream, you put that bet, and you dream about those. You know, I know that big payout, the the seven, the seven, I forget what they're called, and you link them all together. Mm-hmm. Forget the term. Oh, parlays. Parlay, yeah. Parlay. You, you got like the seven, you know, seven part parlay. You just yeah. dream of hitting every single one, you know. And then you're driving a Mercedes up at twenty bucks, like, you know. <laughs> and then right. if you don't get that's that, you start hating players. Yeah, and then it, but <laughs> that's exactly you, me. Even if you don't get it, it's going to be twenty dollars for a big exactly. chance. So. That's good for the company too. She'd be like, "Oh, it's twenty bucks. I'll take the chance." And you'll right, keep doing right. it, telling yourself that, "Hey, if I do this a million times, I'll make it." But yeah, sometimes the odds aren't in your favor. Like the odds on those parlays are really long sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. sports betting became like just playing the lottery for me. Oh yeah, like it's, picking those numbers. It's definitely is, this something is I'm starting is. to get into too. Yeah, it's definitely something that's intriguing because it's like you know, stock market's only open you know eight hours a day, five days a week. You know, you gotta have something to do with the weekend. <laughs> Well, it's that or crypto. Yeah, and crypto, and even crypto, it goes, it slows down on the weekends. Oh, yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, it's, it might be better 9 to 5, like, you know, during the day. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think this concludes this episode of episode, what's it, 13? 13. Paul George, episode 13, PG-13 of the Stock Talk podcast. I did not bet it with him last night. Thank God I did it. But, um, Nico, you got anything else to say? I think that's it. I think just uh, we're in a super weird market, so just be careful out there and watch what you buy. All right, now our special guest, Riley. Do you have anything else to say? I got nothing else to add, but I'd like to thank you for having me here today. Man, thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I told Riley because Nico messed up everything. I'm, man, I, I'm not going to get into it late, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it at that. But once again, thanks you, Riley. For, it was a pleasure having you on the show. It was a pleasure meeting you as well. Pleasure meeting you as well. So once again, this is the end of the Stock Talk Podcast with your host, Josh Bodry, and my co-host, Nico. Criticos. Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Money, 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 money.